Hi, everybody. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend, and you're listening to the Book in the Territory Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. This is the artist formerly known as Daryl Van Horn, James Mitchell, the Sinister Minister, and I'm here to let you know I would rather slam my cock in a car door than to miss the dulcet tones of Hard Body Harper, my illegitimate son on Booking the Territory podcast. Who <laughs> messy this is professional wrestler Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wicker Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare, don't you dare miss Booking the Territory. Oh, yeah. This is a one man gang. You're listening to Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Booking the Territory, the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast, where today I am releasing part two of my discussion with Dirty Dutch Mantel, recorded a few weeks back. If you remember, I posted part one, and now here is part two, where Dutch and I continue our discussion about his time in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. If you enjoy this episode, which I hope you do obviously uh please tell dutch thank you for coming on the show he did say during our discussion i don't remember if it was part one or two now how he appreciated everyone who reached out to him and said hey uh you need to go on booking the territory those guys love you and they want to talk about your time in smoky mountain wrestling so tell dutch thank you again if you enjoy part two which i'm sure you will as we continue our smoky mountain discussion thanks again everybody for subscribing if you haven't subscribed to us Please do so on your platform of choice, whether that is iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, wherever you get your podcast from, please subscribe and check out all of our interviews. We've had Jim Cornette on, The One Man Gang, just to name a few, Ron Fuller, Les Thatcher, Tracy Smothers, the list goes on and on. Plus, as you know, we do our NWA Saturday Night on TBS recaps Every single Thursday night, those shows drop at 7 p.m. Central Time, and that goes all the way back to 1985, and we are into 1989 now. So thank you for checking out BTT. We appreciate it. And now enjoy part two with Dirty Dutch Mantel. Dutch, you know, in fairness, you know, we weren't exposed to Ron Wright until we watched and, and reviewed Smokey. Um... Ron Wright is is a fascinating figure in professional wrestling, a tremendous heel manager. I I am this guy is just he's gold on the mic. It's hard to explain. Um, you know, earlier you were talking about the angles and telling a story. The, the story he and Tony Anthony told when they denounced their southern heritage and became Yankees in Smoky Mountain was great. Um, do you have any good stories maybe you've never told or maybe you've told and I just haven't heard about Ron Wright because uh I really love Ron Wright. Well, I, I think he is underrated. Well, Ron and Don Wright were legends in East Tennessee, and I wasn't exposed to them as a kid. I was exposed to them later on when I started. And I, I worked in Knoxville for a while with, with uh, Ron Fuller, and he had Ron and Don around, I think, at the time. And I just heard stories, more or less. I mean, these guys would go in towns, and they were, they were just walking the heat. 
I mean, if you hear them talk, they're really, really Southern. <laughs> they were more Southern than those people up in the hills. And when they did an interview, uh, to me, they were, like you said, they were gold because people actually hated those guys. I mean, they've had more riots, and I, I don't know which one. I think it was Ron in some town. And this used to be a serious, serious problem with wrestlers is because you, you want heat, but you don't want that type of heat, what they call killing heat, and that's what they got. I think Don, uh, was it Ron? Who was the one that was cut by the guy cutting oh. with a knife? Yeah, yeah. Actually, That's Ron, um, right? Ron Fuller That's and Greenville, Bo James Tennessee, have right? both. Yeah, yeah. Ron Fuller and Bo James have both told me that story. Ron Fuller was there. Bo James wasn't. But Bo was telling me Ron Wright told him the story. Ron and Ron Fuller told me the story about the night he got uh, sliced with a, uh, with a blade um, in the back and almost died. Yeah, well, it could happen, uh, and this and this is the this is one of the old stories that if you if you tell young guys today they look at you like get the f out of here that shit didn't happen the hell it didn't I mean there were a few hot spots in the wrestling profession where you had to be careful about how much help and. Uh, if you if you relate it back today, WWE guys can't get any heat. No. I was sitting in the dressing room one time. I was sitting in the dressing room one night, and I just offhandedly made a comment. I went, guys, I can get more heat walking ring and stand in the corner and get more heat than you guys can working for it. Oh, that got over like a lead balloon. Oh, they got hot. Because they don't know what heat is. But he went into these, these rock boards, they'd go in the ring, and they would have to hold their work down to keep the crowd from rioting. They would have them in their, that's how, that's how they uh, affected fans. I don't, I don't, it's even hard to ima- imagine now anybody, anybody getting so mad in the, in the crowd to actually attack someone. But there it was according to what they had done. And of course, it all depends on why can't, you know, this is what wrestlers don't understand. I don't think the WWE guys understand. Oh, you can take a guy in the ring and have him win week after week after week after week. Well, what is there to dislike about this guy? If he's not, that's what they did with Bray Wyatt. He just won and won and won, but nobody, nobody give a shit. Because he never did anything to anybody that they really cared about. So if you wanted heat to smoke him out, you just have to beat up Robert. I mean, beat up Ricky. Because they cared about Ricky Morton. So therefore, they want Ricky to exact revenge on you. That's how you get heat. If you beat up somebody they don't care about, eh, the guy was, they actually, the guy that got beat up gets more heat than the, the heel does. Because they're thinking, well, he shouldn't went in there and he was going to get his ass beat. So there's, there's no heat. And I think some people ha- ha- apparently have forgotten that in, in the course of time. But, by, but back to Ron and Don Wright, legends, absolute legends. Now, Ron's passed away, right? Or both of them passed away? Ron has passed away. I believe Don, as of us recording this, is still living. And they've all, they were always super nice to me. 
super nice. And and if you look if you look at Ron and Don Wright, <clears throat> even back when they were when they were wrestling, they never had muscular bodies really. And you know that was and that was part of their heat because every guy in that crowd thought that he could whip Don and Ron's ass. <laughs> that was part of it. But anyway, they had a lot of heat. They're legends, and uh, and you'd never seen them before before Smoky Mountain, right? You said. Yeah, you know, I mean, I didn't. I, I grew up a Mid South fan. We got world class in our area, but even then, you know, I I never saw Ron Wright. So when Jim when Cornette put Ron Wright on air, and he's in the wheelchair, and he's I mean, he's just gold getting that heat in the wheelchair, and then he ends up in the feud with Tracy Smothers and. And and Ron Wright and Tony Anthony, Dirty White Boy, denounce their Southern heritage and they become Yankees. They they actually burn the the flag, the Confederate flag, in the middle of the ring. And and my God, I mean Tracy, they beat Tracy. They tie him up to the ropes. It's just storytelling. I mean, it was just gold. And Ron Wright talking about the hillbillies in the area and how he had to go up north to get a get a get a northern doctor to fix his cataracts because the dumb doctors in the South couldn't do it. And it's just. Dutch, it's it's lost. They don't. Nobody does this anymore, and it's a shame because the WWE owns darn near every library. It's like, look, you got the encyclopedia, you got the Holy Grail at your fingertips, and you don't use it. It's it's a shame. And and I look at a guy like Ron Wright, and I'm like, there's so much that a young wrestler or young manager could learn from him or a Tony Anthony, and they just. And that nobody does it. And that's what amazes me about, you know, I know you in your reference in WWE a lot. I think it was a blessing for the young guys that you got to meet up there so that you could tell some of those stories. Like I've heard uh, Swagger tell, you know, talk about his time with you up there. You know, that guy, he's young. He He's, he's much younger than me and, and I'm young, but he would have never heard those stories like for you to share. And they need that, but they don't have that. They don't have a guy like Ron Wright. None of the, it's not that they don't have it. None of those guys know of guys like Ron Wright. And that's the tragedy. And I, I shouldn't say tragedy because that's technically not, but that's the unfortunate no, it, part it is, it, of wrestling. It is now, a tragedy because WWE guys, they only know one system. Yes. The WWE system. They don't know anything else. I even volunteered one time. I said, why don't you take a few of these writers and why don't you let us on Mondays and Tuesdays? Why don't you put me with them? And I don't know why I said this. Because I didn't really want to be with them. I said, let them learn a little history. And they went, oh, no, no, no. Vince, uh, he doesn't want them writing with any of the guys. And I don't know why. Wow. Because they knew absolutely nothing about the history of a business. I asked a writer there one time, I said, where did you work before? He said, uh, the Poughkeepsie Daily Journal News Gazette or something. (laughs) I said, well, the Poughkeepsie, uh, he said the Journal Daily News, you know, something, Gazette or something. And I said, listen, I'm not trying to be a smart ass, but I says, being a reporter for the Poughkeepsie Daily News Journal Gazette does not a wrestling writer make. And he said, what's that mean? Me? And I said, well, think about it. And I left. I let him think about it. But see, those guys there, they're so, they write, and you've heard this before, they write, and even the producers, they actually write 
and produce for an audience of one. And if Vince doesn't like it, he just he screams and he doesn't really scream at the wrestler so much, but he screams at the. I mean, he just raises hell back in the back rooms back there. See, when I would go to a WWE show, the first the first climate uh, you you try to find out about is what kind of mood Vince is in, because then you know how the show's going to go. If the writers were kind of loose and laughing, that meant one or two things: Vince is in a pretty good mood, or he's not there. But if you looked in that writers' room and they're like like gnashing your teeth and pulling their hair, Vince is on a warpath. And that was, that was kind of my barometer for how the night was going to go because if those riders were testy and nervous and jumpy, you knew something was wrong in the back. Because, he, you know, Vince has been known to go to the meetings and just tear the whole show up and rewrite it on the spot. So he's, he's like that. Amazing. But those guys in WWE, the guys in WWE, they know, especially now, they know very little of what preceded them in this business, nor do they care to know most of them. They just don't care to know. Uh, see, when I came along, I, I would hear these stories about something happening here, something happening there years and years ago, and that's how I, I learned the business. But I think WWE now, they want, they want them to know one thing. They want them to know WWE, the WWE story and, and nothing else. They don't, they don't care about Smoky Mountain. They don't care about Memphis. They don't care about Florida or Florida or Continental. They don't care about that. And they may, now the WWE has, has all the, li- all the libraries, but they don't want them to know because they want them to know one system, the WWE system, and that's all they need to know. And in, in, if you really look at it, yeah, that, that's a good thought. But nothing wrong with knowing where the business came from. I got a little saying, you have no idea where you're going unless you know where you've been. And these guys don't know where they've been. And I think the writers don't know. And I asked a writer one time, listen, have you ever been in a fight? He went, no. I went, well, goddamn. How in the hell can you write about a fight if you've never actually been in one? Oh, well, you know, you could, you could do this, you could do that. I said, well, yeah, you could. And they did, they did a lot of things that I don't agree with, you know, like calling two guys in the middle of the ring and they're like they're in the middle of a, of a feud. And I was saying nothing breaks out. So where does that happen? Two guys meet on the street corner. Let's see they meet on the street corner in real life. And they're mad at each other, and they're just going to stand there and promo. No, they're going to fight. Dutch. Another thing I don't understand, WWE, when they, when they all get fighting, and suddenly guys don't come from the back and help out. Funny, the bad guys have more friends than the good guy does. Good guys getting beat, they'll just leave him laying. And, which, if I was on commentary, I said, well, he don't have no friends. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be on commentary very long, but it's little things like that that to me just distorts the whole image. Well, most of your territory wrestling was only an hour in length, so most, not all, obviously. I mean, uh, Saturday night on TBS was two hours, and um, you know, you had other shows that were that were more than an hour. But it's funny when you say that because I, I I tell my my co-host and I we always talk about it, um, and we brought it up a lot during our run with Smokey because we would say like how you know when guys have heat. 
they may flap their gums for 30 seconds to 60 seconds or so as they're like, you know, getting irritated with each other. But nobody's out there for 15 minutes cutting a promo on each other. If you got that much heat and dislike for somebody, if you've ever been in a real fight, it's you better back up. You know, look, I'm going to knock your block off. And that might be the last that might be one of the only things you say. You're not sitting out there for 10, 15 minutes, yada, 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 yada. It's just that's not realistic. That's like you said with that writer. That's not how a real fight works. That's not how well, people who don't get along work. Well, if they got this hot feud going on, and they go out there and they start talking. They actually talk themselves out of it. Right. People say, "Well, hell. people get uh, if hey, if you're going to fight, fight. If you if you don't, I don't hear you bumping gums. Let's, let's see right. What's going on. <laughs> and yeah. and I've seen a lot of times. And yeah, if you actually saw two people on the street and they're yapping, 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 you find you were, and it's serious, and they have fought before. Eventually, if they just going to argue, you're going to, I swear to God, and I've done this. I just turned and walked off. I said, hell, they're not going to fight. Yeah. Because not, if, right. if they were going to fight, they would have fought in the first two minutes. But yeah, if they're exactly. not, and they're going to sit there back and forth, back and forth, hell with it. I'm going to leave it. I got to go. <laughs> I got to do something. But they don't see that. And I think sometimes they outsmart themselves, I think. But it's not my company. They can do what they want to do, and I wish them success. Because yeah. they, they treated me well. I love them. I love WWE. Because they, you know, when they came along. And, you, and you're talking about, I was just talking a little bit about the history of the business. When I walked into, and I, I'm going to tell the story. When I got hired by WWE in 2013, and I can't remember the day, February 11th or something, they were coming to Nashville, and they wanted me to come down and talk to them. And that's where I was living then. I said, yeah. So I went down there and I, I literally thought that they wanted to talk to me about uh, NXT and, and being an instructor there. But then I walked in about 3.30 in the afternoon and the head of talent relations met me. And uh, he took me to Triple H. And but he Triple H wasn't talking then about going to NXT. He was talking about getting a uh, a mouthpiece for Swagger. They wanted to do something with it. So and that was at like four thirty. And then he wanted me to cut a promo so they could play at the events later that night. Uh, and they wanted me to cut this promo to show him. So I did that at five thirty. Then they come back at six thirty and told me I was hired and they wanted me to be on the show that night. And at seven thirty I walked out live on Raw. That's how quick it was. Went down at three thirty, talked to Triple H four thirty, cut the promo at five thirty, got hired at six thirty, at seven thirty I walked out on Raw. <laughs> so you were you and were they a season, give me <laughs> You were a season no, pro they, they, they give me Well <clears throat> they told me said, Well we're looking for a guy for for swagger and we want a, a little a guy who's a little bit older and a little uh, guy who's like been around on the bed and has grown like disillusioned with the way the country is going. It was like tea, tea party stuff. And they thought of me. So when I went in there and I cut the promo and, and I've said this before, you've seen the movie Grand Torino. Yes. You've well, that's how that's what I based the character on. Yeah. Actually, Clint Eastwood. 
because they, they give me about 10 minutes to think about the promo. They didn't tell me what to say. They said, well, you do it. And I'm thinking, well, damn, why don't you give me a little more time to think about it? I mean, I didn't tell them that. But... And they wanted me to do it. Well, and I'm, I'm thinking that, well, when you have a writer write this, you write everything else. And all of a sudden, you know, I got a job hanging out here. And all of a sudden, you want me to come up with something. But I came up with a with the Zeb culture character right there. And I said, we the people. And Vince saw it. And he said, you, he says, you're fired. But this time he said, you're hired. <laughs> but the point I was trying to make, when I walked in that dressing room and talking about guys not knowing the history of the wrestling business, 75 to 80% of the talent had absolutely no idea who I was. Two of them did. But most of Jack didn't even know who I was. He said he heard the name. That's all he. He said that's all I knew about you. In, in Dutch, that's so, seven years yeah, ago. That's seven years ago. So imagine now, twenty twenty. Um, I mean, people would know you from your run then, but you know, guys who weren't even, you know, they, they let's say you got a twenty year old guy who who wasn't even watching it back then, and you know, now you know, even if they hear Dutch Mantel, like I remember my son, he. He, I was watching Smokey one day on TV and on the on on YouTube on the on the television. I was uh, streaming it there, and uh, he he looked up and he saw you, and he's like, "That's Zeb Coulter," and I said, "No, that's actually yeah. Dutch Mantel." <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there's no yeah. there's no way. I mean, they wouldn't know. Nope, they didn't know, and I, I even had a few come up and ask me. I think they thought that I'm I'm going outside here a second. As soon as I started doing the podcast, my sister and the granddaughter, they all came in there. But, uh, yeah, they, just, they have no idea what the history. And that's why I say, if you don't know where you've been, how do you know where you're going? Amen. No idea. None. So I, I'm with you, Dutch, on that one. Hey, Dutch, I, I, I know we've been going a little long, and I, I really appreciate your time. I got, I got two more quick questions for you about Smokey. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm sure you saw it because you retweeted it on Twitter a couple of times. I've I've, uh, I've I've tagged you in a few of the Tim Horner, infamous Tim Horner promos um, in Smokey. Uh, what, did you, what did you think of old Tim Horner and his uh, promo skills in Smoky Mountain Wrestling? And, uh, and I remember the one where you said, I don't care if you get him as long as you don't get me. Uh, how was Tim on? What did yeah. you what did you think of Tim's promos in Smokey? Well, I actually felt for him because he struggled. Yeah. And he's trying to, you know, he was. And you can tell a guy's struggling, and I tried to help him out as much as I could, but it, it, but it was his promo, and I was just hoping he could get through it because, like I said, we didn't reshoot anything. Whatever he said, like Robert Fuller, by rights, we should have, you know, we were talking earlier, maybe we should have reshot that or at least been edited. But Tim, I remember the, the one you're talking about. I said, I don't care who you get as long as you don't get me. You know, that was the high spot of the interview, to tell you the truth. <laughs> that, that kind of thing. But he, he, he struggled, and he's just not a good talker. And some guys can talk. Some guys can't. Some guys can make stuff up on the spot. Some guys can't. Tim was one of those who was a, a, actually a really, really good, uh, really, really good in the ring. Uh, yeah. But he just, his verbal skills, uh, verbal skills were, were, was lacking. So. It is what it is. 
Yeah, he. I've said it on the show a bunch. We we've been hard on Tim. In fairness, we've we've uh, because his promos. I mean, you said it, Dutch. I mean, um, he in that promo he actually said, uh, "Slap me, get me, get me in the mood." If you know what I mean, and then you you followed that up at the end was, "I don't care if you get him as long as you don't get me." And that was the best part of it. We were hard on Tim's promos, but uh, to your point, uh, we'll give him credit. I mean, he 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 was good in the ring. I mean, you can't knock Tim Horner as far as being in the ring. It was the it was the promos that there was a struggle though. So. Um, but yeah, old Tim Horner, and um, I got to give you some credit there. You brought that promo to life at the end after he couldn't uh, he couldn't get through it. It was two minutes of badness, and then Dutch hit him with the two second line of greatness. Um, hey Dutch, <laughs> what did you think? Um, yeah, you were there when when Kevin Sullivan, uh, quote unquote, sliced uh, Wing Kanemura's arm open. Uh, what did you think about that night? That that was actually the same taping as the Robert Fuller. Uh, Von Eric thing promo. Do you remember that night well? And uh, what did you think about the the young no, I, young man? Well, I don't think it's, it was the same night. I really don't. But okay, I remember I it was a different was. setup on the guy. Okay. What's his name? Kanemura or something? What was his name? I think it was Wing Kanemura. What was yes. the guy? And I'm outside. That's why you're here in that car. No, no I problem. Just went outside. Uh, but uh, I I thought it was. I didn't get. I didn't get it. Uh, I I don't see. They didn't really shoot that for Smoky Mountain. You know that, right? They shot oh, yeah, because yeah, because they ended up. Um, I believe him and Sullivan had like some follow up matches in Japan. Uh, based off of that, right? Yeah, is that, they is, did. Yeah. But see, this is he. He, did, he didn't even bleed that much. It was just a. a, a it was just a cut. And a horrible cut, by the way. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't think I want to be around these guys like that if anybody's going to do that. But, and of course, they etched it out on TV and it's supposed to be, and it was bad. And what did I think about it? I tried not to think about it too much, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I didn't get it. And uh, because I've never really been, I, I, I love this business, but at a point, you know, I'm I'm only gonna go so far with it. That guy who did it, he loved the business and wanted to be a young Japanese guy. And if he wants to do that, uh, I mean that that's his business. And I don't know if it drew anything in Japan or not. I don't know. I have no idea. I didn't I didn't much care for it because I think he can be too graphic. See, while wrestling used to do well, and I, I talk about this all the time. It's because we drew we drew kids and we drew women. That's where we did the sellouts. The ECW, that's why they really couldn't go in a really big building. Because it had, and I've never heard anybody else say this about ECW. They said, oh, yeah, man, it was, it was hardcore, man, man. But see, women don't want to be around that hardcore stuff. It turns them off. You can't bring kids around that hardcore stuff because, you know, the parents don't want them to see it. But it, And that's why I learned this a long time ago. Wrestling has to appeal to the general uh, population. It's got to appeal to kids. And that's why you always saw like a little comedy act on shows. It has to appeal to the women. That's why you had your good-looking guys. And it had to appeal to your tough guys because now you're drawing all uh, – all those aspects of the population into that building. But if it's all, all hardcore and guys getting the crap beat out of them, well, kids can't identify with that. They don't want to see it. 
women don't identify because they'll stay away. That's why your ECW shows, if you look out there, you can count the women on one hand. And most of them are probably wrestling in the ring. So, but Memphis did that. And I think Smoky Mountain up to a degree. I know Continental did it. <laughs> and Mid-South did it. And their business was good for years. Until Vince got a hold of it and kind of rearranged the whole aspect of the wrestling administration by drawing all these smaller territories out of business. And, and, and this, which leads me to another part. When he ran all the smaller territories out of business by taking over, what he did, he actually killed his own feeder system. Is what he did. Oh, now, yes, where are these I guys agree. going to train? Where are they going to go? Where is he going to find them? That's why he had to invent his only develop. He had to invent his own developmental system in NXT. So, and that's what he did. But for a couple of years there, there was no new talent coming along because he had for- actively forced all his little regional competitors, and they weren't even competitors really. But he had forced them out of business, and. And I think one day he sat up and said, wow, where am I going to get talent these days? (laughs) (laughs) So he, now he has to develop it himself. That's why I'm saying, that's why these guys coming along now in the WWE developmental system, they only know one system. They know WWE and, and, and unless they're tape watchers like you, excuse me, they know nothing of the Ron Wright and the Don Wrights and the Dutch Mantel. And they know about Lawler, you know, because he's, he's in a different, he's in a, a different stratosphere. He's all over the, <clears throat> he's all over WWE and has been for like 20 years. They know him and the Bill Dundees and uh, even the Robert Fullers. They don't know those guys. So if they're going to try to model themselves after somebody, they're going to have to model themselves after somebody who's already in the system. They are Daniel Bryan. Well, they already got a Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. They already got an AJ Styles. So who, so to me, if you're a wrestler or you're an aspiring wrestler, I'm going to give you a hint. Go and study the old tapes and study the old uh, characters they had. And if you can find something, I guarantee you that WWE doesn't have, and there's about probably 80% of the old-time gimmicks that used to be out there, that would work today. I'm saying they would work today, but I don't know, since you have writers who've never been in the pot, I don't know what's going to work today. That's why I'm (laughs) concerned about the wrestling business. Because, I don't know, if the writers, I don't know, I could talk for days on it, but according to what kind of mood Vince is in on the day they present it to him and what kind of uh, mood the writers are in. And of course, like I said, they write for an audience of one. And when they take it in there for him to look at it, and he'll he'll look at it and go, okay, uh, adjust some things on it. He may not even tell them what to adjust. So, you know, working for Vince and trying to get his approval on something is probably not the easiest, easiest job in the world. And it may be rewarding financially. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I hear you, Dutch. I don't know if I'd want to work for him just based on the stories I hear from people. Uh, <laughs> definitely doesn't seem like it'd be my thing. But um, 
Dutch, I, I, I really appreciate your time and thank you for coming on the show. Uh, it, it, we've been wanting to have you on for, for a very long time. So we appreciate you uh, coming on and lighting us about your little bit of your time in WWE, but also talking some territory stuff and mainly some Smoky Mountain Wrestling. We really appreciate it. Uh, Dutch, please tell the people where to find you on social media and tell them about your uh, podcast, the University of Dutch, and where to find all that and good stuff. If you want to go ahead and do that now, we'd appreciate it. Well, I got a podcast called the University of Dutch. You can find that on, uh, yeah, I forgot the name of it now. Look MLW. for it. Go to my, <laughs> go. <laughs> it's MLW. And yeah. I, I, I can't even give you the address on it. Uh, but, uh, what is the address of it? It's, I'm looking, I'm looking up I, the I, actual address right even, now I, for you. And I got a, I got a website, dirtydustmantel.com. You can go there. And that might be up and might be down, but I usually put a different blog up like every week or every couple of weeks. And it's just a, a different story. You can find me on Twitter at Dirty D Mantel or Dirty Dutchman One on Twitter. And you can find me on Instagram, Dirty Dutchman One. You can find me there. And, uh, but, uh, I was going to, I was going to bring something up. I'm, and I, hell, I've been hit on the head so many times. I can't even remember my name sometimes, but, uh, and sometimes on my, on my, on my website, I do put up some things that I'm selling and they're like, uh, I mean, they're one of a kind. I have a, I have a, uh, have you ever seen one of these? I got this in a swag bag, I think at WrestleMania 29 in New Jersey. And have you ever seen those big uh, cloaks they put over football players on the sidelines? Yes. You ever seen those? Yes, I know exactly well, what you're talking about. Well, I got one about. of those. I got one of those, and I and it, it says WWE on the back. And I had, and I don't know how I got it. I got it in one of my swag bags. And I'm looking, at I said, I've never seen this before. And it's not even on the WWE website, one of those cloaks. So I finally called up the, one of the, uh, he was like the head merch guy. I knew him pretty well when I was in WWE. And I asked him, I said, what is this? He said, well, these cloaks were only 25 made. And he said it was just for WrestleMania 29 because it was outside and they may have bad weather. He said, we only made 25 of them and we give them to the, we give them to the talent. And I think they'd be getting ready to use them that night, I think. But it was, gonna, it was good weather, so they didn't use it. I don't know how I ended up with it. But I got it, and if anybody is interested, you can email me at dirtydutchmantel at gmail with two L's, mantel with two L's, dirtydutchmantel at gmail.com. But this one, for a collector, only 25 made, and I have never, ever seen uh, an item like that before. That's what interested me in it, because, I mean... If only 25 made, there's 24 more out there, but I don't know who, who would have them. And it, almost, I would say that's almost like one of a kind, I think. But if anybody's well, interested yeah. in it, give me a call. And uh, because I think it would be for a collector. And I've learned about collectors. Somebody said, well, what do you, what do you think it's worth? I have no idea what it's worth. It's worth to whatever, what, how much money you can get somebody to give you for it. That's what it's worth. Because the market will set the value. If you don't want to sell yeah. it, don't sell it. But a collector, this is how they deal. Well, what do you got? 
yeah, but do you have this? Oh, no, but do you have this? And they try to one-up each other. And this would be one that a collector could say, well, you don't have one of these, and show it off. So I'm kind of proud of myself, but I'm not a collector. Yeah, I'm a type guy. I need to get rid of stuff, just move stuff out of the way. Because, you know, when I was going through my storage room the other night, it's like discovering a, like a foreign country somewhere. I didn't, I don't know what the hell is back in that room. It, it surprised me. But anyway, hey, I, I, I've seen your I've seen your podcast. I've never listened to it, but I've I've seen it you know on Twitter and and people have talked about it. Uh, glad I can make your show. Uh, and I, I haven't done a lot of podcasts about Smoky Mountain, but I think it is one of the one of the unspoken gems of the of this of this profession because of the way it's made and. And I think it's a it's almost a crash course in professional wrestling. And I think I've worked for a couple of companies that I think that were great at what they did. Of course, one was Memphis. Uh, one was uh, the Continental was great. Smoky Mountain was great. Uh, Florida was good, and, and Mid Atlantic. But, but they're all Southern territories. And I and I worked Texas just briefly, but. But that's how we used to make our money, and it wasn't anything like it was today. So uh, appreciate being on your show, and if uh, if you can see fit, to, well, you're through with Smoky Mountain now. So, but if you want me back on, just give me a call. I will, Dutch. And real quick, um, Dutch, hang tight uh, after I uh, hit the stop on this thing. I want to give the people, though, your uh, site. So uh, you can find Dutch's podcast. Just search University of Dutch. Pretty much wherever you get your podcast from, whether that's Podcast Attic, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, all that good stuff. University of Dutch is the podcast. Or you can go to youofdutch.libsyn.com, and Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. So that's Dutch's podcast's website. It, uh, but again, now you know. Now you know why I couldn't remember it. That <laughs> Libsyn threw me off. Yeah. So anyway. And hey, one more thing. I am now offering uh, diplomas from the University of Dutch. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. And you, and you will receive a PhD in the fine arts of wrestling, and it's signed by the president of the college. That's me, Dirty Dutch, and also the chairman of the board, which is Zev Coulter. You get two autographs and a diploma to hang on your wall. I think it's a good deal. It's a it's a great deal. So everybody get in touch with Dutch out there. But no, Dutch, thank you again. Really appreciate your time. Uh, I'm gonna hit the stop on this thing and hang tight, Dutch. I gotta gotta holler at you for one other second about something. Uh, but other than that, Dutch, I, I appreciate it and thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you.